0: We are in week three of a message series called Greater Than. Leading up to Easter, we're focusing in on the life and ministry of Jesus. And for this particular series, we're looking at three passages of Scripture that take place following Jesus' birth and prior to his earthly ministry. And my hope and my prayer for this series is that these messages would remind all of us how Jesus is so much greater than anyone or anything we can imagine. Our key verse for this series is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, which says, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. Now, we know that these are the words of Jesus' relative, John the Baptist. Um, John was set apart by God from birth. He was set apart to help prepare the way for Jesus. He preached a message of repentance and encouraged people to turn to God. John lived his life to take the focus off himself and to place it on Jesus. His life and this verse reminds all of us that it's all about Jesus. Jesus is so much greater than. Today, we're going to focus in on an experience that Jesus had that took place immediately following his baptism. The story that we're going to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, but it's also found in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4. Now, Mark's account only has two verses, so if I were to preach from Mark's account, the message might only be five or ten minutes, and some of you would love that. Um, Luke's account provides the most detail, but we're going to camp out in Matthew's gospel because that's where we were last week, and I'm a little OCD with these kind of things, so I want to keep it consistent. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, Matthew 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. After Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness or the desert to be tempted by the devil. As we read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus moved from this high and holy experience of being baptized to a season of temptation and being tested. The Bible doesn't tell us why Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, other than this was God the Father's will. But if we look at other scriptures, so if we use scripture to interpret scripture, it's easy to see that there was purpose in the pain that Jesus had to experience. Jesus had to experience temptation so that every creature in heaven and on earth would know that he is the Messiah. He had to experience temptation so that he could understand and have compassion for us when we face temptation in our own lives. So because he experienced times of of righteous anger, he never sinned when he was angry, um, times of desperation, hunger, temptation, frustration, and even fatigue, he completely understands when we go through difficult seasons in our own lives. His temptation also exposed the tactics of the devil and reveals to us how we can remain faithful to God, even when we're being tempted. As we'll see throughout today's message, in Christ, you have at your disposal the same resources that Jesus used when he was being tempted in the desert. That is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word of God. The first point that I want to talk about today, and, and this really is the overarching theme of the message, um, is this. Temptation is the devil's weapon to defeat us, but it can be God's tool to build us. We most often associate temptation uh, with giving in to sin, but it's important to understand, it's important to know that temptation itself is not sin. Uh, we learn this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, where it says, For we do not have a high priest, uh, this is talking about Jesus, uh, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we learn from this passage, uh, this verse, that uh, temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he didn't give in to temptation, he didn't sin. You see, Jesus is able to understand and empathize with our struggles and our weaknesses because he experienced temptation just like we do. But Jesus faced temptation without sinning. Tempting us to sin is one of the devil's main activities in our lives. and We all have weaknesses and we're all prone to give in to temptation and to certain sins. As a Christian, it's important to identify where you're most vulnerable, that is, where you have the greatest tendency to sin, and then learn how to rely on God's strength to help you defend yourself against the devil's attacks. It's also important to know that you don't have to feel guilty about the temptations that you wrestle with. Instead, you can learn to use the right weapons to resist and turn from them. Jesus showed us how we can prevent temptation from becoming sin. So where the devil wants to use temptation as a weapon to defeat us, God wants to use it as a tool to build us. Now when I say that, when I say God wants to use it as a tool, please understand that God does not tempt any one of us. All right, James chapter 1, verse 13 um, says that God doesn't tempt anyone because he himself cannot be tempted. Uh, but he can bring good from it by helping us grow stronger through it. I want to show you what this looks like through Jesus's life. So in the desert, Jesus was tempted by the devil on three different occasions. And there are important scriptural truths that we can learn from each one of these occasions. The first temptation that we see involved the love of God and the provision of God. It involved the love of God and the provision of God. Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4 is where we find this first temptation. It says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil was saying, If you're truly God's Son, why doesn't your Father feed you? If you're truly God's Son, why did he bring you to this terrible desert? If you're truly God's son, why are you in this situation? This first temptation sounds a lot like the devil's words to Eve. We've got to go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, towards the beginning of that book. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, friends, we all know what happened next. Um, Eve was convinced that what the serpent was saying was true. She saw with her own eyes that the tree looked good, that the fruit looked good, and she wanted what she didn't have. So she gave in to temptation, and she ate the fruit from the tree. Well then she gave some to her husband, Adam, and he ate the fruit as well. And in that moment their eyes were open. They felt shame for the very first time. You see, the devil was subtly suggesting that God didn't love them, that he wouldn't provide for them. He was suggesting the same thing to Jesus in the desert, and he often suggests the same thing to us. Um, Jesus was hungry, and the devil was tempting him with something that he didn't have, suggesting that his father didn't love him and that he wouldn't provide. How often do we forget that our heavenly father is a perfect parent and a perfect provider? It's so easy to want what we don't have and to believe the lie that God doesn't love us and that he won't provide for our needs. Adam and Eve put their physical needs ahead of their spiritual needs, and the result was giving into temptation. The result was sin. When I read their story, I'm reminded that they allowed their circumstances to dictate their actions instead of following God's will. And that's a great reminder for all of us that we need to be on the lookout for this. We shouldn't allow our circumstances to dictate our actions. Instead, we should follow God's will. We should follow God's word. Jesus could have turned the stones into bread. But he would have been exercising his own power independently of God the Father. Instead, he chose to obey God. And in doing so, he models for us how we can obey and rely on God as well. Listen to how Jesus responds to the devil in verse 4. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting scripture to the devil, specifically um, the Old Testament verse of Deuteronomy 8, 3. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, um, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in the Old Testament, when God's people were hungry in the desert, God provided for them by sending manna or bread from heaven. They'd never seen food like this before. They they had a need. They they were hungry. This was a legitimate need this group of people had. And guess what? God, uh, their perfect parent, a perfect father, a perfect provider, he provided for them. You know, as hard as it is to believe, um, feeding on and obeying God's word is far more important than consuming physical food. That's so hard for us to understand, right? Because we need physical food. Our bodies literally require it. Personally, I live to eat. It's not the other way around for me. I don't eat to live. I live to eat. But Jesus is reminding us that consuming God's word, feeding on God's word, is even more important than the physical food that our bodies require. We should think of the Bible as spiritual food that we desperately need. When you're tempted to believe the lie that God doesn't love you or that he won't provide for your needs, um, use the promises that are found in God's word to combat the lies. We have to remember we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here are just two important promises that you can remember and use today. The first is Romans 5 verse 8. It says, "...but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners." So, friends, if you're tempted to believe the lie that God doesn't love you, remember Romans 5, verse 8, that God showed his love for you, demonstrated his love for you by sending Christ while you were still a sinner, like while you were at your very worst, God demonstrated his love. Matthew 6, verse 26 says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? If you're tempted to believe the lie that God won't provide for your needs, now I'm not talking about your greeds, the things that you want. I'm talking about your daily needs. If you're tempted to believe that lie, remember Matthew 6, 26. It says, look around you. Look at all the created things that you see, the plants, the the animals. As human beings, we are God's most prized creation. The Bible says we're far more valuable than these other things. We're far more valuable to God. This is a reminder that he promises to provide for our needs. This first temptation involved the love of God and the provision of God. In these verses, we can learn from Jesus' example how to combat the devil's lies. We can learn from Jesus how to use God's word as our greatest defense and our greatest weapon. As we'll see in the last two temptations, um, learning, memorizing, and using God's word is critical if you're going to learn how to flee from temptation and stay focused on God. The second temptation was a little more subtle. At this time, in an effort to manipulate Jesus, the devil also tried to quote scripture. Matthew 4, verses 5 through 7 says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. So the devil was saying, uh, so you intend to follow God's word? Then let me quote a verse to you, and we'll we'll see if you obey it. We'll see if you follow it. So he took Jesus to the highest point of the temple. We we believe this is about 500 feet up. And he quoted from uh, the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 91, verses 11 and 12. And this is where God promises to care for his people. So Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now if if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. So the devil was quoting scripture, but he misquoted scripture. He was intentionally omitting words from the Bible in an effort to manipulate Jesus. This should be a reminder to all of us that the devil is a master scripture twister. He told Jesus, if you jump off this really high point, God's going to order his angels to protect you. But what the devil intentionally left out was the important word. You could argue the most important part of this verse. It says, in all your ways or in all thy ways. See, where the devil uses these verses to try and get Jesus to jump off the highest point of the temple, Jesus points out that we're not supposed to test God like that. These verses from Psalm 91, they're not encouraging God's people to intentionally put themselves in unnecessary danger. And they're not about testing God, asking him to do something to prove his existence and his power. Psalm 91, if you go back and read it in its context, is all about trusting God's character, remaining faithful to God, finding our refuge in God, and trusting in the promises of God. Jesus once taught through a parable. um, This is Luke 16. That people who don't believe what's written in God's word won't believe even if someone came back from the dead to warn them. God wants us to live by faith, not by magic or manipulation. It's important that we follow God's word if we're going to live in the will of God. You see, that's where we find and experience God's protection and care. It's not by putting him to the test. It's not by manipulation. We find God's care and we experience his protection in all Thy ways. That's when we're living in the will of God. We're following the ways of God. God watches over those who are in his ways. As believers, it's important that we read all of God's word, studying and meditating on all God has to say, because all of God's word is profitable for daily life. Once again, Jesus was able to identify and combat the devil's lies with the word of God. I think we're starting to see a pattern here. Well, the third and and final temptation um, offered Jesus a shortcut to his kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 says, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus knew that he would have to suffer and die before he entered into his glory. But the devil tried to persuade him to take a different route, what seemed like an easier route. The lie was that Jesus could have enjoyed all the glory without having to endure all the suffering. If he would just bow down and worship the devil one time. The Bible teaches us that the devil has always wanted to take God's place and to be worshiped. But once again, Jesus used God's word to combat the lie. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, which says, Fear the Lord your God, serve only him. The devil didn't say anything about service. But Jesus knew that whatever we worship, we will serve. Let me say that again. Whatever we worship, whatever becomes an idol in our lives, that's what we're going to serve. Knowing God and serving God brings true freedom in life. But loving and serving the things of this world only brings bondage. God's plan for Jesus's life was for him to experience suffering and to do so on our behalf and then to experience glory for all eternity. The devil's plan was for him to experience glory and then to end with suffering. You know, it's the same in our lives. The devil wants us to sacrifice the eternal for the temporary and take the easy way out. This temptation reminds us that there's no shortcuts in the Christian life, and there's no easy way to spiritual growth and maturity. God will actually use the difficulties and the challenges that we face every day to help grow his character in us. His goal is to make us more like Christ. I love this quote from Warren Wearsby. He once wrote that if the perfect son of God had to hang on a tree before he could sit on the throne then his disciples should not expect an easier way of life. What a great reminder for us today. The devil questioned the father's love and provision when he tempted Jesus to turn stones into bread. But we can learn from Jesus' example, combating the devil's lies with scripture. We have to remember, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to read all of God's word, learn all of God's word, and use all of God's word every day. We should test everything that we hear against God's word. That that includes what I say on Sunday mornings. You know, when I preach a message, when you're listening to the podcast, you should test everything against the word of God. You know, I put in the time and and I pray and I study, but I'm only human. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. We've got to test it against the word of God. The devil questioned the father's faithfulness and even misused and twisted scripture when he told Jesus to jump from the highest point of the temple. We know that God is faithful and that he is our strength, stronghold, and protection when we live by his word and when we're in his will. We can live by faith because God can be trusted. When the devil questioned the father's plan, when he offered Jesus the world's kingdoms, if he would just bow down and worship him one time. God's plans are always for his glory and for our good. We have to remember that. Even if we don't fully understand the path that we're going down and why we have to go through struggles to get where we're going. We can trust that God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know, not only are we learning how to combat the devil's lies and how to uh, turn from temptation, but I think today is also a great reminder to examine our own lives and see if there's anything that maybe has become an idol or anything that we're uh, worshiping, knowingly or unknowingly, that we're putting before Jesus. In Christ, we have victory over sin and death because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And while we'll always face temptation this side of heaven, um, we have the Holy Spirit who leads us, teaches us, comforts us, convicts us, and encourages us. We also have God's word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. When we face temptation, we can learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. This is an amazing promise that the apostle Paul shared uh, with the church in Corinth. So again, this is for Christians. He said the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now a lot of times people end right there, but we got to listen to this last part he says, "When you are tempted, God will show you a way out so that you can endure." couple questions for you today, maybe a challenge as we end the message. Number one, what steps can you take this week to overcome temptation? And you know, I think we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. We need to start becoming more familiar with God's word, uh, learning to feed on God's word, using God's word. I want to challenge you to do that. So the second question, how can you read, learn, and memorize the Bible in a way that will help you with temptation? You know, now's a great time to start if you've kind of fallen off that that train You know, start with something small. Maybe start in the book of John and read one chapter a day. And then as you pray, as you connect with God, just pray what you're reading in Scripture. As I pray for our church family today, I want to encourage you to pray on your own, that God would give you the strength to move away from tempting situations and that he would help bring verses to mind that will help you combat the devil's lies. I'm going to be praying for you today. I hope this message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you in your walk with Christ.